here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Amen. So we're looking at God's dream for the world. God's dream for the world. And what is that? Uh, like I said, I believe there's an there's opportunity in the history of time to reach into countries like Albania. We also know that Albania is only a springboard into southeastern Europe. So we're not limited to Albania. We've already um, gone into Kosovo, Macedonia, um, and there's many more countries along the way. Even uh, Turkey, uh, we've done some work there. So there's much to do in, uh, in terms of what I believe God wants to do. And God has a mission, God has a dream, and the dream for the world is um, something that I believe has, is, 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 it's weird, it's come true, but it still needs to be fulfilled. Let's say, the promises of God is true because Christ has come and the Spirit has been poured out, but now the fulfilling of that is that now we need to fill more people with the Spirit of God. We need to share with more people the goodness of God. So Hebrews 11, uh, verse 39, we looked at last week, and this is sort of the, the base um, for our series, it says, All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. Now, I don't know about you, but that sort of, that, that wakes me up. It's all these Old Testament heroes, but he says, None of them received all that God has promised. If you ask a little boy or girl, who's your hero, if they know something about the Bible, they would probably say Samson, or they would say Ruth, or um, Abraham, or... or, or if you know your, your Old Testament stories like that, you have a hero. You have someone. And I remember growing up in church, Jesus was just one of those stories almost. Like that was the story for Easter and the story for Christmas. But then the other times there was the story of Noah. There was the story of Abraham and Father Abraham had many sons and I'm one of them and that whole thing. Um, actually, that's true in a sense. But you're not a son of Abraham. You're a son of Christ because of Abraham. And we'll look at that a bit as well. But it says that God had promised something, but in the Old Testament, the promise was made, but it wasn't fulfilled. Do you see? Do you get that from, from verse 39? It says, for God had something better in mind for us. I like that. So as great as those guys were, and it was all because of faith, God had something better. Say something better. So God's dream is something better than what you see in the Old Testament. Okay, But you see God's dream promised and directing towards the something better in the Old Testament. He says, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Wow, that's a big word. Now, that, that's, a, that's a weighty word. If you think about God says that you can reach perfection. I don't know about you, but perfection comes with rest. Because perfection is completion, and when you're done, you're done. Like, you're done. <laughs> you know when you've eaten, and you've eaten, and you've eaten some more, and you, you, you know that you, you're done. You're full. You are full of God's holiness. You are full of God's power. You are full of forgiveness. You are full of the power of God. You are full of the light of God. You are full of the hope, which is God. You are perfect. And we looked at it last year for months, or feels like months on end, about what it means to be complete. And Colossians 2 says, we are complete in Him. It says, the fullness of who God is dwelled in Christ, and now we are complete in Him. For me, that word complete links to the word perfection, because I know like the Mona Lisa is 
complete and it's perfect. There's nothing to be added to it. Like if I'm going to add some strokes of my magic there, then I'm going to mess it up. Amen? And so much of people and believers even wants to add to what God has done because we feel we have to do our part. And your, your part is not to do anything. Your part is to receive. And receive and receive and receive until it overflows. So now there's a promise of something better and that is perfection. Now if we read and we read Hebrews 11 and we stop, then we think, okay, but when does this come? So we sort of kick the can down the road and we think, okay, it wasn't Abraham, it wasn't David, it wasn't Moses. We're just kicking the can down the road and say, okay, but when will we ever reach this perfection? Now luckily we can read on and Hebrews 12, 22 says, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, highlight firstborn, they will speak about it now, who are registered in heaven. That is church, ladies and gentlemen. There's an innumerable amount of angels. There is a registry of people who are the firstborn. Now, when you read the English, you think it's the firstborn Christ, and then, like Romans 8, I think it's verse 30 or 29 says, He is the firstborn among many brethren. But the privilege that we have in this church is that I have to speak in Afrikaans after I speak in English. So when I teach in Afrikaans, I often see things in the Afrikaans translation, and I'm like, wow, okay. So in Afrikaans, the word firstborn is not eersgeborene, it's eersgeborenes. It is plural. And you might think, what does that mean? That means a lot. It means that Christ is the firstborn, but you are in Him, so you're also the firstborn. So I'm the oldest of three children. My sister is in the room. I won't look at her right now. But as the firstborn, sometimes there's a bit of a stigma. I would say as the lastborn, there's also a bit of a stigma, but let's not talk about that right now. About who, who, who gets what they want. And I remember, actually, um, my brother, who's not here, he's the, the middle... Uh, of the three of us, we used to send him in when we wanted stuff, you know? He had the, the blue eyes and the smile and the charisma, so if we wanted to go somewhere or we wanted pizza, or we would like convince him to go to my parents and ask. But if we think it's like the firstborn has some privileges, and then the others is sort of beneath that, then we see Christ there and we see we are obviously after Him, which is true. But we're not after Christ, we are in Him. So we are complete in Him. Colossians 2 verse 9 to 11, you can go study that out. We are not complete of ourselves and I'm not saying like Christ is, I'm not making less of Christ, I'm just saying wake up. That's what I'm saying. Because it's the church of the eersgeborenes. It's the church of the firstborn, plural. All of us, if you are in Christ, you are firstborn. You are in the firstborn. And if you think about it, it is actually quite significant. Because we were not the first tribe of God. That was Israel. But coming back to my statement on giving, that giving is trading the temporal for the eternal. The best example in the word is uh, um, Esau. 
So Esau was the firstborn. So he had certain rights and privileges. But you know what? Esau got hungry. And is it Jacob that made a nice poiki? No? He made some good poikikos there. And the smell and the aroma and the, the, the goodness was filling the air. And what, what Esau did there is exactly what Israel has done. So Esau said, I want it and I want it now. I don't want to wait for whatever's coming my way. So he traded something substantial, something with longevity for a meal, for instant gratification. Now the Israelites, if you read the word, is they were looking for a deliverer for now from the Romans. But God had something better for them, something eternal. And we must be careful that we do not make Christianity about the temporal when it's actually about the eternal. Christianity, we, you don't come to church and we promise you all your problems are going to go away. If you think that, then sorry. We come to church because we celebrate something eternal and we know we're going to be with Christ and with God for all eternity. We come and we celebrate something spiritual. Those that worship God must worship Him with loud music and... No, no. In spirit and truth. That's the invitation from God. Now, I like loud music. I think I sang the loudest this morning. Peter heard me because he was standing right here. I, I get excited and I love it and I get distracted by sound and I just push through because I'm like, this is about God. This is about Him and this is about His goodness. This is eternal. I get to worship the eternal God. I get to speak to, I get to commune, I get to have fellowship with the eternal, almighty God. It's things we take for granted, but if we want to stir hearts of gratitude and thankfulness, which then I believe leads to faith, that is the type of things you need to meditate on. Meditate on the Word, then you think about what is the most difficult Scripture and how you're going to explain it. You can do that, but you don't have to. You can just start with thankfulness. What are you thankful for? I'm so glad that I get to meet together. I'm so glad for family, even if they messed up. I'm so glad for worship. Even like There's, just, like, there's thankfulness in our hearts. But listen to this. It is the firstborn who are registered in heaven. I mean, if you want to be thankful about something, you are registered in heaven. You don't need to sign up for a census in heaven. You're already there. Okay, that's better than you think. <laughs> the general assembly, that's church, the gathering and of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to judge uh, to God, the judge of all, to all the spirits, there you have it, of whom? Just men. Men there is people. Okay? Ladies, the old translations weren't too kind on you. Okay? When it's men, it's usually people. That's a better, more accurate translation. Not of what the world says, but what God says. Of just people made perfect. Wow. If you're on Instagram or social media and you go look, they're going to tell you a lot of things that you need to be more perfect. If you eat this meal, if you drink this water, if you like this person, if you buy this clothing, then you're going to be more perfect, more happy. Call it that. But I'm telling you from the Word that you are 
registered in heaven with the firstborn, and you are made perfect. You are complete in Him. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. I'm not going to get into Abel now, but Abel, according to Hebrews 11, is the first believer. And he believed in what? He believed in the promise. And that's why he brought blood. That shows us that he understood what God was saying. So, the, the firstborn, the eerstgeborenes. Now, we all want to be somebody, don't we? Let's be honest. You, you might say, no, nah, I'm just happy. You want to be noticed. You want to, you want to be somebody. Like, there, there's a few songs that, uh, that's coming to mind. I almost sang one there. Um, we want to be somebody. I remember driving around as a student and living to Switchfoot. I don't know if I'm giving my age away now. Peter, again, we, we're not just namesakes. We, we, we're of the same kind. And we sang this song, We Were Meant to Live for So Much More. And we would put that thing on loud. I Dare You to Move. That's one of the other songs. Oh, that thing is like before a rugby match almost. I Dare You to Move. And you know why those songs spoke to me so much? is because I wasn't where I was supposed to be. Now when I listen to I dare you to move, it is not to live more purpose, but it is to use your purpose and live. Now I'm not trying to leave somewhere and go somewhere. Now I realize I am somewhere and I am awakening to what I've got, to the spirit of, in, of, it, of God in me. Now I dare you to use it. I dare you to step out. I dare you to, to share the gospel. I dare you to heal someone. I dare you to, to show up. I dare you to believe. If more believers will believe, then we'll see God's dream come true, isn't that? I don't want to labor on this, but again, first year's fair. I went and I, I spoke to people and I said, like, okay, so you're a Christian, so what do you believe? No, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> Christianity is about whether you believe or not. So you can't be a Christian without believing. So you say you're a Christian, so what do you believe? And I want to ask you the same question this morning. What do you believe? If I wake you up in the morning at 3 o'clock and I ask you, what do you believe? This morning I had a chat with a German tourist while we were unpacking the trailer. And he said, oh, what is this party you're getting ready for? And I said, amen. <laughs> amen, brother, you know it. And you're invited. Amen. Because now, now they're saying, okay, what? now you need to tell them it's a church and what is a church. And I said, yeah, we're just... A church meeting together, we're having a party, you, you, you're right, sir, you're welcome to join us at nine. Now he's like, what church? I hate that question. Because the world should hear the word church and know, believers, joy, healing, healthy, family. We shouldn't need to explain what kind of church we are, because there's only one type of true church, and that is the body assembling together with the angels of God, the Spirit of God, believers believing God, God in the midst of them, having fellowship, having communion, changing the world. That's the church that we're a part of. So then they start with, are you part of the Catholics or Protestant movement? Now, obviously, realizing where he comes from, the word non-denominational did not carry any weight. So I said, we're charismatics with a seatbelt. Amen? <laughs> we are free-flowing, we love the Spirit, we pray in tongues, but we're not swinging from the chandeliers. Okay? <laughs> we are joyous, we are free, we are life-giving, we've got God inside of us. So if someone asks you, tell them your pastor said you're a charismatic with a seatbelt. Amen? We all want to be somebody only when we haven't awoken yet to who we are. 
And that is the lie. The lie is that you need more. You need to become more. You need to receive more. You need another step of holiness and another step and you need to be baptized and you need to be rebaptized and you need to be filled and you need to be Holy Spirit baptized. You've got it. Holy men made perfect. Registered in heaven. Firstborns with God. Complete in Christ. What more do you want to add? So the church is going around like a pastor around a point and trying to figure out what they have, what their calling is and how not to sin. And the devil is having a field day in the world out there. Because we are preoccupied in sense then just with ourselves. I don't want to sin. Oh God, I don't want to sin. God, I'm so sorry I've sinned. You hear I in those sentences are many times. God, I've sinned, I've messed up. Where can I go and share the gospel? Who needs Jesus today? Father, who is going to be open to receiving? Yes, I messed up, but that's fine. You are strong in me. Isn't that Paul's attitude? He said, I am the least worthy to be called an apostle. I am like born outside of covenant. But I don't care because it's not me, but Christ in me. I no longer live. That's the attitude we should have. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Get up in the morning and think about that. And then we wear these bangles. I wore them too. What would Jesus do? And if you open that beer, then you're like, Jesus made water into wine. <laughs> Praise God for the, first, uh, for the, for the wedding at Canaan. Huh? Oh, like. What would Jesus do? Who would He heal? Where would He go? What, where would He go into Samaria to speak to a woman who had five husbands, of which one she wasn't married to? Where would Jesus go and, and, and heal a dead person? Call Lazarus to life. Share the gospel. Restore his life, his relationship with Peter. What would Jesus do? The ministry of reconciliation. Not the calling of not sinning. Christianity is about more. We have to live for something more. Something more than holiness because we are holy. Amen? We live from that place, not for it. We live from rest, not for it. We live from God, not for God. God inside of us. Christ in you is what? The hope of glory. Okay, who thinks the world needs a little bit more hope? I can name things. Russia, Ukraine, Zimbabwe, ESCOM. Like the world needs more hope, amen? Guess what? It's not going to come from out there. Because hope is not out there. Hope is in here. Christ where? In you. Not in the pastor only. In you. In us. The hope of glory. We were meant to live for so much more because we are part of God's dream for the world. Not me. Us. The fellowship, the assembly, the church, the body, all of us together. We are the world changers and we change the world one person at a time. Maybe you sit here and think, this is not big enough. Bring someone. You change the world and you do it one person at a time. You reach out, you disciple, you share. My job is to equip, to share, to what? And to every man, every man comes to the perfect one. In Christ, according to Ephesians, Ephesians 4. Again, that word perfection is there. But it is not that we're becoming more perfect. It is that we're waking up to the perfection we have. And then we're living according to our true identity as sons and daughters of God. Reaching out, discipling, equipping to become world changers 
with us. So we need to wake up to who we are, and then we'd reach out and we disciple people to become who they are, and now we all of a sudden have this world-changing, hope-giving, grace-filled, power-packed, mission-changing organism, which we call the church, the family of God. And remember what I said last week. I said, where you're going to be tomorrow, the Holy Spirit's going to be. Where you're going to be tomorrow, the Holy Spirit's going to be there. So that's, I'm not saying that to put pressure on you. I'm showing you that, listen, you're not alone. But you are the carrier of God on earth. Powerful. Don't wait for the man of God for the hour. Don't wait for another prophecy and another laying on of hands. And a, just wake up to what we've got. And you're going to be so excited, you might be as excited as I am. Amen? Just think about that. <laughs> you are on a mission, and this family is the mission. This family is on mission to see more and more people come alive in Christ. Realizing that their sins are forgiven, their eternities is at stake, and God no longer wants to live in buildings, He wants to live in us. Now we've spoken about it quickly, but let's take that, that thing about the firstborn a bit further. In 1 Corinthians 15, a very interesting chapter, it speaks about the afterlife actually. It speaks about the raising of the dead, it speaks about what happens to these bodies, and it says these bodies are sown in corruption and it will be reaped, it will be harvested, it will be raised in incorruption, talking about eternity. But verse 20 from the Passion Translation says, but the truth is, I like that when a verse starts like that, huh? We're not debating this. This is the truth. Christ is risen from the dead as the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died. I don't know what you've heard and what you think about first fruits in the Bible, but it is not about money. Amen? And if you don't believe me, just read the verse on the screen. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who has fallen asleep. What is the first fruit? If the first fruits offering was given, the whole harvest was holy. The whole harvest was blessed. Christ is the first fruit and we are now with Him, part of the harvest. That's what the verse says. So when He is blessed, the first fruits, we are blessed. When He is holy, we are holy. And when Jesus walked out and He said, Look, the harvest is ready. Pray that the Lord of the harvest send in harvesters, laborers, workers. So how then do we bring in the harvest? We need to think about this verse. Christ is risen from the dead. And as being risen from the dead, He is now the firstborn, but He's also the first fruit. Because the word says, unless a seed of grain falls to the ground and dies, it will not bear fruit. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. Christ is the grain that has come down from heaven, that died in the ground, and now is risen, and now He is bearing much fruit. So if I plant wheat, and I see that wheat kernel die, and germinate, and grow into a plant, and then what is the fruit going to be on that, on that plant? It's an easy question, it's wheat. Okay. So Christ is dying, and now He is producing fruit, the harvest is ready. What is that? Firstborn. Because each produces after its kind. 
It's good news, huh? That's why I say we don't need more of God. We need to let God out more. Christ is the first fruit. The great, I like the passion, the great resurrection harvest of those who have died. Look at verse 23. It says, But each one in his proper order, Christ the first fruits, then those who belong to Christ in his presence. Christ the first fruits, afterwards, those who are Christ at his coming. So we're seeing that coming, but we're also seeing that this is who we are. And now we think, But it's one day when I die. That's what I used to think. But thank God for Galatians 2 that says, It is no longer I that live, but Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ. Does Paul write that from the dead? Is there a voice coming from some tomb and saying, I no longer died. I died with Christ. No, He is alive. But He died to the flesh so that He could rise to the Spirit. And that is what it means to be born again. So we live according to that motto then of being part of the great harvest. But now once we are harvested, we become harvesters. I'm going to say that again. Once we are harvested, we being discipled and equipped now become harvesters. So we become more mature and now we grow and be more like Jesus. In that sense. The Young's literal translation says, And each in his proper order, a first fruit Christ, afterwards those who are Christ's in his presence. So I'm asking you again, what is God's dream? What is his will for this world? John 4.34 says, Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. What is that work that Jesus is referring to? Jesus came to fulfill the will of God and to finish the work. And at the cross, He said, it is finished. I have to say this quickly. Don't hold this against me. So Christ dies on the cross and He says, according to John 4, He has to finish His work. So at the cross, then He says, it is finished. Jerusha sees where I'm going. That's why she's smiling at me. She's saying, you're getting yourself in trouble here. So Christ dies and He says, it is finished. And then he bows his head, lays down, and gives up the ghost. Okay? Now, three days later, he's risen again. And then 50 days later at Pentecost, something happens. After the ascension, what happens? The Spirit is poured out. So Christ finishes his part. But then the Holy Spirit has something more to do. Yes, Christ pours out the Spirit. That's what the Word says. It says all authority has been given to Him in heaven and earth. And therefore the Father now enables Christ to give the Holy Spirit. And that's when when John saw Jesus coming, he said to his disciples, I baptize with water, but the one who comes after me, he will baptize you with what? With Holy Spirit, or with the Spirit and fire. You know, people make fire tunnels and they get excited about things like that. I believe the Holy Spirit is the outpouring that's Pentecost. Baptizo, you become one with and you stay there. You don't have the Spirit coming like a yo-yo up and down. That was what happened to Saul and Samson and those guys. But we have something better, remember? 
something promised, something full, something all that God wanted to give, which is now the residing Holy Spirit. So when we sing songs, pour out your spirit, God's saying, uh-uh, can't. Done that. Got the t-shirt. Put it in the Word. Like. And then fire baptism, I believe, is the end times. When God is going to end off and that is what we call judgment because the word says then he will test with fire what is true and what isn't and some things will burn and some things won't and I don't want to get into end times right now because now Julius is smiling at me and he's saying I'm getting into trouble but for me it just makes sense so Christ says John the Baptist baptizes in water he says this guy's going to come after me and he's going to do two things he's going to baptize you in spirit and then he's going to baptize in fire it doesn't happen on the same moment it doesn't have to. Like he didn't say that will. Some people pray on that fire. <laughs> and sometimes it works. Why does it work? Because if your receiver is on, it's on. Like people get it wrong and people still get healed. Amen. Thank you, God, for grace. <laughs> if we had to be perfect and now we understood everything, then then nothing would have happened, okay? Paul says, these guys don't know what they're doing. They're preaching to hinder me, but let them preach because they're preaching Christ. Because the, the, the word is the power, not the person. We are just the conduits. So if you think you're saying fire and you're going to release the Holy Spirit, then you're going to release the Holy Spirit. That's fine. I'm not condemning your method. I'm just trying to explain the word. Jesus came to finish his work. What is his work? Galatians 3:13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That is his work. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's your Old Testament quotation showing us that when Christ hung on a tree, the cross, He has now carried that, car, that, that curse and He died it to the cross. But now verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might do what? Live holy, never sin again. Go into our prayer closet and try not to look at ladies or whatever you're struggling with. No, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit, how? Through faith. Oh, this is crucial. That's why I speak about it every week. And I'm going to speak about it until we get it. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's grace. But 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14 says, We have the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus, and the fellowship or the friendship of the Holy Spirit. So God loves the world so much that He sends Jesus, thank you Lord, John 3.16, so that Jesus can become the curse, hung on a cross, and redeem us from the curse, that's grace, so that He can pour out the Holy Spirit and we can have fellowship and friendship with God. Simple. So we don't overcomplicate this. He says, so that the blessing of Abraham... I thought Abraham is dead. You see, the blessing of Abraham then is eternal. It is not temporary. It is not for now. It is for eternity. It's forever. God sends His Son. His Son dies on a cross. He finishes the work of taking the curse so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Israelites. No, because the promise in Genesis what to Abraham, in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And what the Israelites just, they had selective hearing. (laughs) 
they had complete selective hearing about that because they said, we are the sons of Abraham. We have the riches of Abraham. We have the donkeys of Abraham. We have the land of Abraham. We have the servants of Abraham. But God said, didn't, didn't I say all the nations of the earth? So that's why Paul goes on and he says in verse 16 that now to Abraham and to his seed, and the New King James puts the seed in capital, were the promises made, and he does not say and to seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. He says almost like that firstborn. Is it now one or is it many? And they thought the seed of, of Abraham is many. And Paul says, no, 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 you misunderstood. And there he clearly explains that the seed of Abraham is one. And that one is Christ. Like, no more deliberating. And now Christ is now obviously for everyone. And that is the blessing of Abraham. It's the Holy Spirit poured out on all nations. Maybe you feel like, oh, I wish there was money and Mercedes. And, well, it's either temporal or eternal. I'd much rather take the eternal blessing. That's so much more. You're getting something today. So God had a plan. His plan didn't work out until the seed of Abraham came, died on a cross so that the Spirit could be poured out on the Gentiles. Then Gentiles, there's everyone who's not Jews. But obviously the Jews are included if they receive it by faith. So since when then was this God's plan? Maybe ask that question. So God had a dream. I like to say Jesus was not plan B. It's a loaded statement. Think about it. Because we think Abraham, not Abraham, Adam and Eve sinned and God had to make a plan. Okay? I think God is, knows more than that. <laughs> so, Titus 1 and verse 2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised, when? Before the world began. So I spoke to a lady at the stall next to us when we had this first year's fair, and I said, so, by the way, what are you guys about? And she said, well, we're about saving the planet and planting trees and all of that. I'm like, okay. So uh, where do you think the planet comes from? And she gave me sort of a reason. I want to ask you the same question this day. Maybe not where, maybe you believe Genesis 1, but Why? Why? Why did God create? Why is He not hovering over the waters and emptiness anymore? Well, I believe He is. And I believe that is the spirits of men not born again. So He's hovering. He's, he's looking to create form, to bring life. And that is a prophecy, if you will, a metaphor of being born again, finding form. But I also believe in creation. And I believe that God created in six days and on the seventh day we rested the first day of Adam. But why? Because of the hope of eternal life. That is why. If there was no hope or promise for eternal life, God would not have started the world. Titus 1-2 says it clearly. He says, In hope of eternal life, the promise which God that cannot lie promised when? Before the world began. So the plan has always been what? Eternal life. Always. This is our earthly tent. We're camping here. Some of us have 
glamping and some of us have camping. Amen? But it's okay. We'll be alright. Because we're not going to stay here for too long. When was this planned? Before the world began. Let's go back to John 4. Verse 35 says, Say not you that yet you are four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, they say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. I want to end with this thought is, Lift up your eyes. When we look at ourselves, we're not seeing the harvest. But when we lift up our eyes, we're seeing the spirits of just made made perfect. We're seeing the need. And the need is not more food. The need is not more churches necessarily. The need is the Spirit of God dwelling in more people. The need is for more people to hear that they're forgiven, that Christ has come, and that they are now full and perfect in Christ. Because then when they realize that, they will live as full and perfect in Christ, and they will join us on this mission of life. And then we'll create some momentum, I believe. And we can change the world. He that reapeth, remember, not sows, but reaps. It's interesting there. Jesus says, look up, the harvest is ready. What did you sow? Nothing. Because he sowed the best. He sowed his son. He sowed the Christ. So that the harvest now can be ready and we now go and we become the workers of the harvest and we go and take back what is God's because Christ has redeemed the earth, paid for the sins of the world for once, for all sins, for all eternity, forever, according to Hebrews 10. Whew. I'm going to venture just one more thought into your minds and say, we have a mindset of maturity and it's right eldership is maturity and I believe maturity in the sense of the word is becoming more spiritual and less fleshly that's my belief you live more spiritually you make better decisions you hear according to God's word and you don't you change you live more according to the eternal not the temporal think about a baby they're hungry everyone needs to know about it amen if they awake, everyone needs to be awake with them it's all the flesh but as they mature they realize okay maybe I'm awake but it's just me that's okay like, I don't want to wake others. So that's maturity. And as we mature, we live more for others than for ourselves. But in that sense, then, we need to grow in our understanding of what this maturity looks like. And the maturity is not, doesn't determine identity. Maturity is realizing your identity. The thing is, in Christianity, we think we get saved and we need to become someone and then one day we can share something. Where maturity is realizing who you are since the day you got born again and living more according to that. And why I say that is important because a lot of people wait for one day to share the gospel when I'm ready, when I've gone through Bible school, when I do this, when I've done that, when I've gone on mission school, when I've gone on a mission trip. No, Paul says to the Philippians, he says, you've shared the gospel since the day you heard it. It's so good that you just want to get it out. You just want to share, share, share. Why? Because you're not waiting to become something. You realize you are something. You are someone. You are a firstborn of heaven. And therefore you have rights. You're an heir. You have authority. But more than that, you have a message. And the message is not just how it changed your life. Let that be God's glory. Amen. God is still changing my life. Thank you, Lord. There's still things that need to be changed. But that doesn't stop me from sharing the good news because other people need to know what I know. And even if I don't know it all day, I know enough to know that they don't know what they need to know, so I want to share that with them. 
2012, I sat, I was a door usher at the back at Rhenish Hall. And Arthur Manchus was preaching at a Good News conference. And he was preaching from John, and he was preaching that the, the judgment of God fell on Christ at the cross. And he showed us from the Word clearly how that is true. And I sat at the back, and I didn't sit by that stage anymore. I was out, out of my seat. Because I was like, the world does not know this. The world needs to know this. They need to hear. And I made a decision right there that I will give my life to share this message. Yes, I don't have the paperwork and I'm not perfect and I do mis- make mistakes and, and I'm young and I'm like, maybe you don't like me, but I don't care. Amen? Because I have a message. And that has grown and moved and I'm now realizing that I don't just have a message, but I have God. I have the power of God. I have the Spirit of God. I have the life of God in me. I've got the hope of the world in me. I'm the shining light of Jesus. Amen? And as much as you open the windows, the more the light will shine out of you. And there's a world that's waiting, it's aching, it's dying, and it doesn't know this, and they don't want to go to church because, you know what, the words I heard the most at that first year's fair was, and this was at the weird stalls, okay? This was the yoga, the spiritual society, the vegans, the, I asked the, 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 the spiritual society, what has veganism got to do with, with spirituality? They didn't have an answer, of course, because that doesn't have to do anything with spirituality, because it's fleshly. I'm glad I didn't eat it, because I don't know what was in those brownies, but amen. We're moving on. <laughs> It's when we wake up and realize what we have that we realize that we've got so much to give. God has a dream for the world and you and I have a part to play to see it fulfilled. What a privilege. I don't want to send you out of here and oh, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it. You get to share this message. People are going to read bad news in the newspapers and online today. You and I are carriers of hope, shining lights, bringing glory. And the word there that the Holy Spirit has been poured upon, you know what, that makes it beautiful. Poured upon the the Gentiles. Galatians 3 and verse 14, that word there is into and among. So we are, the Holy Spirit is in us, but He's also among us. You know what makes that beautiful is we're in this together. We are in this together. And that is family. And sometimes one member suffers and then the others help. And then that person gets healed or gets on their feet and then they can help again. And that's what family really is about. But we have the Holy Spirit in us, yes. But we also have Him among us. Unity, fellowship, friendship, family. And that's why the Word says there's friends that can be closer than a brother. Jesus is your brother. The Holy Spirit is your friend. You see, we've moved the Holy Spirit out to some spooky town. And we visit Him on Friday nights when we do ministry nights. That's a lot of, we take Him out the box and we rub the lamp and we see what comes out. The Holy Spirit is your friend. He's your intimate friend. He is your your fellowship. He is the reason Jesus died on the cross. So that we could be forgiven. Because God wants to pour out His Spirit into holy, segregated, separated, blameless, faultless vessels. Not just to stay in you. Amen. But so that He can flow through you. And how does that work? Well, share the gospel. That's the easy part. I pray for people. 
might pray for their arm that is a now or this or that, but don't stop there. Minister to the heart. Minister to the eternal part of them. Yes, pray for healing and pray for finances, but don't stop there. Give them more because you have more. You have eternal life living on the inside of you. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.